Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Hey, Fuchmus fans. This is senior producer Robin Doyon Aiken. You are about to hear a very special episode with some of our favorite food friends and grill master Jamie Proviance. It may be cold out, but we know our New England listeners are grilling all year long. And if you're looking for more cooking tips and holiday meals, visit foochmoose.org. You'll find lots of delicious-looking recipes for Thanksgiving turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, and pie, plus an archive of holiday shows going back to 2015. Here's the show. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We're at Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven. My treasured food buddies are here, senior contributors Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, senior producer Robin Doyen-Aiken. Hey, everybody. Hey, Faith. Hey. Hey, Faith. Hey. So after many years here at the amazing Connecticut Public, I've been investigating the idea of setting off on an independent adventure to explore the richness of life in a new, exciting form. It's premature to disclose the details right now, and when my project is ready, I'll announce it. So you can think of this as a good mystery. So I can tell you a few key things about this decision. Two close advisors helped me see that the best thing about my on-air work has been the opportunity that it gave me to bring a light that would help other people shine in their originality. I remember this so clearly when the newly appointed senior producer, Robin, arrived and listened to our shows over and over and over to edit them. It was late one night, and she turned and said to me, I figured it out. The food schmooze is a love bomb. And I thought, oh, you nailed it. So by now, it is no secret that I'm in love with the food schmooze gang, our weekly parties, our listeners, that means you, all of us together celebrating the richness of life. How could I give that up? Well, in fact, I have no intention of giving up all that. It was longtime guest and dear friend Bruce Clements who said to me, if you're not in the joy-producing business, we should probably quit the whole enterprise. So I can assure you I intend to continue in the joy-producing business. I have adored the privilege of my years at Connecticut Public. With this show, the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, it will stop airing in fresh editions on this station. But you'll be able to listen to a library of the shows at wnpr.org, and you can see Faith Middleton Food Schmooze tab right there. You can visit the archive of recipes at foodschmooze.org. You can check out the Facebook site, Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, as you always do. It's going to be there. Greatest thanks to all those who've generously worked on any of the shows with me. Thank you, Robin Doyen Aiken. Thank you, Chris Prosperi. Thank you, Alex Province. Thank you, Mark Raymond. 
And from the old days, thank you, Diane Orson, Lori Mack, Cameron Henning, and Eugene Amatruda. I especially thank you as listeners, guests, and supporters for joining the party. We have a great guest ahead on how to grill, but I thought first let's talk about what doing this show together through the years has meant to us and some of our best memories. What comes to mind right off the bat? (laughs) Right off the bat, the first time I was on the food schmooze. And I just remember being so nervous because I had listened to the show for years and years and years. You ushered us in and you made me feel so comfortable from not sleeping all night and being a nervous (laughs) wreck and, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess up and studying my notes on the drive down. And we were sitting in these normal chairs. You had the most amazing studio. It felt like sitting in someone's living room. Yeah, we did. We had living room furniture in there. It was fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every time I listen to you on the radio, it's you bring that comfort. Like you're sitting in your living room. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for what you do. Okay, Alex, hit me with it. My first time coming in, remember when Stephen, my brother, and I came in and we brought wine, brought in Rioja? In walk these two young Spanish <laughs> guys in navy blue blazers. Matching, of course. Matching. <laughs> <laughs> and matching khaki pants and these wines. And I just looked at them and thought, wow, this is going to be good. I don't know why we got dressed up for radio. but <laughs> Oh, it was just terrific, honestly. You were very Madison, Connecticut. Um, really terrific. The very first food schmooze started out as a part of the Daily Faith Middleton show. So I had just never done food. Yet I'm just so nuts about food, wine, and cocktails. And I I grew up sitting on a stool next to my aunt, who was a very respected chef for private families, sitting on the stool watching her for a thousand million hours. And I thought, what is wrong with me that I've never done something on food? So I call a publisher. I said, I'm going to do a food show. And the publishers all knew us because we did lots of authors. Oh, they said. I said, I would like to have a guest on the show. Do you have someone? And they said, oh, we definitely do. We have Carol Peck from Good News Cafe. She was the first show. And then the woman said, do you want her to cook something for you? (gasps) And all of a sudden I thought, yes. So I said, yes, that's how we always do it. Yeah. (laughs) And honestly, on that day, in walks Carol Peck at 10 o'clock in the morning with a coconut cake that was about two feet high. And I thought, oh, this is really going to be fun. And we've been here ever since. Okay, Robin, for you. First, I can't thank you guys enough for giving me a seat at your table for the last three plus years. And just embracing me, not not only as your producer, but as your friend and someone that you you share things with. It's been really such an honor. In but my you life. really are the best. You are <laughs> the well, best. No one is, is more no generous question. than you guys. There's no sneaking yeah. away from know. this. No, I agree. Nice try. <laughs> you are you are so amazing at what you do. Really, thank you. Okay, so how about the martini competitions? <laughs> so much fun. Love them. Were those fun? Starting with the one in Hartford. 
that's where it originally started. And then moving yeah, it to Farmington. At the, at the G. Fox, right? Yeah, at the, at the old Fox G. Building. Fox building. On floors. And yeah. oh, my goodness, it was something. Yeah. It was like going to a rock concert. Yeah. There Flowers were and almost ice cubes. a thousand yeah. people yeah. and oh, amazing. How about do you the remember? dance? Do, oh, yes. do you remember we had a chocolate dinner? Yes, we, we did had all chocolate. That's start right. to finish, every course yes, had used courses, chocolate in either a savory way yes. or a sweet way toward the yes. end, and it built, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. What did they do with the salad course? Was that you, Chris? No. They were the, cocoa the, nibs. Yeah, they were cocoa nibs. Thank Best you. Best croutons uh, ever. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to all the chefs who over the years. With how the many? Show. Oh my goodness! And a pleasure to Cognac. to say something about them. So, what about all the videos we've done? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, those. So oh, don't fun. forget beer cubes and and champagne. We savoring. froze beer cubes yeah. to see if you could put them yeah. in beer to keep yeah. it really cold, and it worked. We, we did caramelized that. onions. Yeah. yeah. What about sabering with Jacques Pepin? Yeah, outside? that's my oh. still my favorite. It's mm-hmm. my favorite too. So what you do, you have to take the foil out. Some people do it with, I like to do it without the, the cage, you know, so I remove the cage. And what you have to do is also remove this, because what you want to do, and that's the secret where it is, around the neck of that bottle, there is a place where there is the seam, and you should be able to feel where the seam is. I think it's here. Do you feel yes, it here? Yes, that's it. That's okay. it. That, that's where it's weak. So you grab your bottle like this. You go and you don't go hard. You go very gently. It goes. Whoop. <laughs> Whoop. Is that the same? Oh, no, the same is here. Okay. Oh! <laughs> so, yes. Oh! Here, Jacques. Here you go. Or as, as Jacques says... So you have to do it <laughs> on the same, yes? You pour it once and you pour it a second time. Who taught, who taught you how to do it? Gee, I forgot. I think maybe my father. Four. I was on the sharp end of the sword, so I kept squealing every time the sword Don't hit towards me. my face. <laughs> that was the best. He was so fun. Uh, he's been on the show hundreds of oh times. Oh, my God, so many times. And he always brings his dog, Paco. Yes. So then there were the trips. I led oh a lot gosh. of trips. Yeah. We yeah. went first to Burgundy, oh, France, wow. okay. oh, wow. and then to Paris. We split wow. the time. That was so extraordinary. Lori Mack was with me on that trip, was the producer then. And there's a restaurant there that's very famous mm-hmm. called Arpege. I wrote to him. I said, you know, would you have us? We're coming with a group. They said, no, that's all very sweet, darling. But no, <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> and it was the height of amazing food in Paris. Yeah. It still yeah. is. And I wrote a personal letter, and I said, listen, I want you to know how I grew up. I sat on a stool in my Aunt Rose's kitchen, and she cooked for wealthy people, and they would get up from the dinner table and say, I want to meet her. And they would come into the kitchen to Uh shake her hand, and she was so humble and such an amazing woman and an amazing cook. And I said, that's why we want to come. He wrote back, and he said... Not only are we going to have you in your group, he said, we've never had a group, but we're closing the restaurant for you and your group. They closed it. That's crazy. It was so amazing. 
I have never had an experience like this. Beautiful. Arpege, A-R-P-E-G-E. Amazing. <sighs> How about Julia? Remember oh, the gosh, interviews with yes. Julia Child in on here? And on stage. And on stage. I am going, it turns out, to lead any listeners who might want to go on an eating and drinking tour of Paris and Burgundy. Um, but I wondered, since you've eaten in both these places, what is uh, one of the restaurants we shouldn't come home without visiting? I haven't been to Paris for about five years. I know one place I would never go to again. <laughs> <laughs> And that is Alain Ducasse in Paris. It was about 200 and over $250 a piece for lunch. And we went to this gloomy room in a very hushed atmosphere. It wasn't any fun, and I, don't, I just didn't enjoy it at all, and particularly when the bill came at the end. <laughs> So I'm never going again, and I don't know why he got six stars. Was the food the food? But what about the food, Julia? It was just okay. It was it it, it just was okay. I didn't didn't send me in any direction. <laughs> you know, you know, you have that presence to me, Faith. The first time I met you, you just you have that larger than life. Yeah, Julia you're our Julia. Persona. No, you are. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! In my dreams. <laughs> oh, no, no, in, my in reality, dreams, maybe we're the same in height. A lot. That's something. <laughs> no. Um, thank you for saying that, Alex. It was so sweet. But I used to know what to say to her, where I could get a rise out of her. It was the most oh. fun. One time, she was doing an event over at Long Wharf Theater, yeah. and I'm facing the engineering room where the boards are and everything yeah. in there. And I can see into that room so I know exactly what's happening. And she was sitting opposite me, yeah. like you are right now, Chris, yeah. and lined up in the window in a row were all these board members and executives from Longmore Theater. Yeah. And so I looked across at Julia, and I just all I would have to say is almost like one word, and I would say, so this thing about butter, and she would <laughs> lose it. You know, she would say, oh, it's disgusting. Disgusting. What is the matter with people? And, the, and then she would be off and running. You know, why do people have to be vegetarians? What's the point? And then she would go, oh, I adored her. Yeah. So she could drink any man, woman, anybody under the table. Wow. You'd be done with a wine dinner if you'd be with her. And she would say, let's go into the bar. And she'd start having yeah. Manhattans yeah. or something. You know, I couldn't keep up with her. So I've heard if she didn't like something, she'd take it out of her mouth or push <laughs> it off her plate or something. Well, she hated sharing oh, at like the table. Going to, going to a restaurant you know, and, and you're you with food line. people yeah. Yeah, and yeah, everybody's yeah. passing yeah. things around. Yeah. Finally, she said to everybody, I hate that. Don't I don't want to do food. it. <laughs> don't touch my food. And she said, I don't get to have any of my own food. I ordered it because I wanted it. Sometimes she would say... <laughs> Oh, if they would stop trying to impress me, all these wild combinations, yeah. I just want a good roast chicken. Yeah. Alex, what do you remember? Every time you're in Italy and I would be working on those pictures, I think of you shouting Italian to people. You know, like, <laughs> where are you from? I'm a from. 
<laughs> you shout the name of the town. Always makes me laugh. I don't know why I thought I had to shout to be understood. I would say, Treviso, my host who is from Connecticut. Uh, he's a big fashion guy in Italy. And he would say to me, you're shouting the name of the town at people. <laughs> Treviso. Uh. Well, can I say that I have loved watching you in your element, Faith, interviewing the great women of food. So aside from Julia, some of my favorite interviews have been, of course, Lydia, Lydia. Bastianich, yeah. <laughs> Ina Garten, Giada De Laurentiis. Um, oh, boy, that, that was, was an event. Wasn't that fun? Nigella Lawson. Buongiorno, buongiorno, Faith. Buongiorno. Oh, buongiorno. Lydia, there is... A gorgeousness of ingredients in Italian cooking, but also a simplicity. Can you talk about that? First of all, Italian cooking is straightforward and simple. It's all about a few top ingredients. And the shopping is the biggest part of, you know, when you go out and you really shop the best ingredients and then elaborate them as little as possible. And I must say, I must kind of go back to uh, Julia Child, who actually initially, she is the reason I got started on public television. I observed her and, and she kind of mentored me. And what she was doing was she was so interested and so wanting of the people out there cooking her recipe. It wasn't about how much she knew, but it was how she could transport it and teach them. And I said, that's what it's all about. I need to get those people cooking, simple like me. And what I get from the viewers, they tell me, says, you know, Lydia, I can do it. You know, you empower me. And I love it. I know. When you're home, what do you turn to most often? You mean like I'm cooking for myself? Yeah, you're just by yourself. Gonna whip something together. That would never happen. (laughs) 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 I would say I cook because I love to take care of people. You know, I love to take care of Jeffrey and my friends, and I don't cook for myself. I don't think I've ever taken out a sauté pan to make dinner for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody know the difference between bacon and pancetta? Do you know the difference between bacon and pancetta? Are you trying? No, no, I'm just asking because a lot of people ask me between that question. Between bacon and pancetta. Yes. So both poor I products. think bacon is cured and pancetta is not. Correct. Brava. No, but I know, but it's, sometimes it's a fun little No, away. I think that's it was a wonderful question to ask. Thank God I knew the answer. Okay. I have a feeling you know a lot about a lot about food. No, it's just a little bit. <laughs> Really you know, I was a very shy child. Uh, my mother tried to stop me being shy at 15. When I was 15, she said to me things like, Nigella, for God's sake, stop being... Who do you think is interested in you anyway? Because she thought shyness was an act of self-indulgence. And I can oh. you know, see her point now, but, you know, when you're 15, it doesn't help. But oh. anyway, I didn't really start talking and feeling this. I would tell I went to live in Italy. That changed the way I cooked, and it changed the way I felt as a person, but I, I can be, mm-hmm. I love talking and I love being connected with people, so in that sense. Yeah. Do you have to go home and recharge? Yes. I get that. I do. I posture about my kitchen and I lie about reading and that then I feel, you know, rested. I have to say, I hope you're happy. You're just wonderful at what you do. <laughs> I so appreciate it. That's a lovely thing to say. Thank you. You're welcome. Good I luck. Thank you. Um, as I say, sharing my enthusiasm gives me a very deep pleasure. I know that about you. Thank you so much. These are women who later said to me that being interviewed by you 
was unlike other interviews that they were doing all that time touring for those cookbooks. I always understood that I was witnessing something special. Oh, Robin. That, that's an understatement. Yeah. I mean, I think Faith yes. is a pure genius. Yep. Inter- no. I mean, I, so many <laughs> Wait, things. But not... interviewing, honestly, yeah. you are this a genius isn't what the way this you is supposed to turn into. No, but I agree, too. Thank I've you. seen you interview I, people, and you're just, you, you get thank people you, to you. open up and feel I think you stop them with those questions sometimes. Yeah. I, I think they're used to, you know, what's your favorite recipe or something. Yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> then you hit them with this question, and their head spits, and like, Wait a second. I love it. Pure genius. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was thinking the other day when I was cruising through some memories about the time that there was a French restaurant that I wanted to go to with my family. I had said to someone who managed the restaurant, he was from Paris too, I said, would you cook for me? It's my birthday. Would you do it for one night? And he said, yes. It was amazing. I said, can I have a cheese souffle and my family? You know, we ordered all these things. And then he comes out with a birthday cake. And it says, happy birthday, Faye. (laughs) 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 My family thought it was hilarious. F-A-Y-E. And I realized all that time he'd been calling me Faye for for like (laughs) five years. Uh. (laughs) Uh, what does oh, Jean-Michel boy. call you? Faye. <laughs> Faye. <laughs> oh, oh, you devil. Um, all right, we're going to continue on to share memories of the show with you. We've also got a great guest. He is the grillmeister for Weber Grills. It's not a promotion. It's just that he really knows what he's doing, and you'll find out why, because we just tried some of these recipes Thanks to Chris. Just fantastic. So more mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope, as always, that you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Yes, I gotta have Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. You can hear podcasts of this show at foodschmooze.org. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province at sister station KJZZ in Phoenix, and the extraordinary senior producer Robin Doyen Aiken. Hey, everybody. I'll take it. So... (laughs) (laughs) You deserve it. So we're sharing memories of the show because this 
is the final fresh edition of the Food Schmooze on this station. We let you know earlier that, of course, you can hear an archive of the podcasts and the shows at foodschmooze.org, as always. There is our site, wnpr.org, and on Facebook, Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. Still there, still going. Okay, here we go. More memories. Chris, I have a picture in my mind of you walking in the door. We decided on this show to have a potato chip competition, a test (laughs) of how many flavors, what were the best, what would happen. You came through the door. I've never seen anything like this. There were like 20 bags of potato chips. We tasted so many potato chips. Wasn't that one of the most popular shows? It was was really heaven to do, I'll tell you that. So let me right, try so these. Next. These are. Gonna, let me. You got to share this those is dill pickle a, I'm ones. So, with. This is a waffle style barbecue ranch. And then Elizabeth, while I'm trying this uh, barbecue waffle chip from Cape Cod Company, tell us what you know. You mean about state line potato chips? Sure, go ahead. Oh well, I live in Old Lyme, and I'm kind of old. I'm 65, and I went to the Williams School in New London, and when we'd come back from the Williams School, I'm a twin, and my twin sister and I would sit down in front of the television with only state line. We couldn't have any other kind. Uh, We'd take cream cheese and mayonnaise and mix it up as hard as we could, and then we'd just sit there and gorge on state line potato chips. I don't remember what we were watching on TV. It was probably about... uh, Four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> bandstand. Probably some show like Bandstand. <laughs> and I don't know, Chris, about you eating just half a bag of potato chips. You sound like a guy who's a whole bag man. Yeah, I could do it. I'm <laughs> just I'm trying. Her. Yeah, I could do a whole bag. <laughs> it was the most fun. We got to research online. Yeah. And, whoa. I had a picture of you with those bags oh, coming in the door funny. for a long time. <laughs> I, I looked for it, yeah, actually. So I could like a street vendor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't produce that show, unfortunately, because it was so much fun, but I did listen to it. <laughs> you did? Yes, and I remember Alex was traveling, so he was yeah. on the phone yes. also eating chips yes. into the phone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, it must have been a very crunchy show. It was yeah. the crunchiest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Speaking of Chris, I always love, we used to cook on that little hot plate. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the old this. studio. We're spoiled yeah, here at, at the Big G with the big kitchens we have. But in the old kitchens. studio, we literally cooked on a hot plate on a desk. So yeah. well, Chris <laughs> made magic happen. Oh, yeah. Chris, <laughs> really did. Chris is talking about here in downtown New Haven at Gateway Community College, their culinary yes. program, which has five gigantic professional kitchens with every imaginable piece of equipment. These kitchens are fantastic. But in the old studio, people would come in and just look at us like, you're kidding. (laughs) Because we had card tables. One induction burner. It was an old desk. One one induction burner (laughs) sitting on an old alarm. A little little toaster oven (laughs) and a microwave. That's what we had. (laughs) This is what when people say they're spending a fortune on a kitchen, I think, uh, oh, we did, please. We did so much we, out of that little triage yeah. kitchen. 
Yeah, I gotta say, never had a bad meal there. No, and we, <laughs> and we did never. full on cooking, right? We did full, full on, on cooking there. Yeah. Not I don't just think we've ever had a bad meal with Chris. Oh, oh no, no, never. I can't think never. of anything. Never. You, you know what? The biggest thing for me, though, and this goes to your research and your finding authors, is every week you have me cook a recipe from one of the books. I can't tell you how valuable that has been for me. I get to see different people's perspectives. Every week, a different cookbook. Every week, a recipe or two from a different cookbook that I actually make, I test, I follow. I see what they're thinking and how they make things. And it really has made me a better chef, a better home cook. Because I get your big thing is making the recipe just as it is so we can see if the recipe's, you know, as good as they say it is or whatever. So I follow the recipes meticulously, weigh out everything, measure everything. We never do that as professional chefs. We create things. We throw things together. We never follow recipes that specifically. And for the past, what, 10 years I've been doing that. And that has made me such a better cook. Huh. That's so interesting. You never said that that to me before. That reminds me, remember Ina had sent us that cookbook and and she had the smashed potatoes? Ina Garden. Mm -hmm. And then you charged my husband Matt and I to do one of the recipes. So I had gotten the new potatoes, not the little ones, but the regular new potatoes. Matt's like, those are too big. By the time you smash them, they're going to be like the size of a plate. You need to use the small ones. So then sure enough, when Ina was on air, I asked her and then she was so gracious and made me seem like I was right. So Matt's <laughs> colleagues were listening, and they're like, your husband just threw you under the bus like, on the show. <laughs> to Ina. Nice. <laughs> to Ina. And then sure enough, when the cookbook came out with pictures, Matt was right. But, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. Do you remember a couple times we would be joking back and forth, Alex? And I once made a joke that somehow connected with your mother, and I thought, oh, my hands went over my mouth, and I said, oh, my God, that's not going to stay in. You said, oh, no, she won't mind. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. Yeah, sometimes we've outed people as, you know, mediocre cooks. You have to be careful when you mention people by name and their recipes. I know. I'd be talking about certain family members of mine, and, you know, they're living on the Cape, and for some reason they're on their way to a doctor in Connecticut, and they're living. Listening. And that's when you and talk about And then they them. yell at me and say, I heard that, oh. you know. The raw Thanksgiving turkey and you yeah. douse it in yeah. bourbon or something. No, I doused, I, I doused me in whiskey. They hadn't cooked the turkey all the way through. And so we, <laughs> I went in the kitchen and took one look at the turkey on the counter. And I came out and I said to the family members, we're in trouble. Drinking out. And we went racing. I said, is there any alcohol here? <laughs> <laughs> just in case there's any germs on it, we can kill it. <laughs> oh, my God. It was just oh crazy. Do you remember the time when we all were on duty on Thanksgiving Day? Uh, yes, answering questions. Answering yeah. questions, and we were at home. Yep. Robin, yep, were you here during that one? Sadly, no. no. Oh, no. Was, you shouldn't say like sadly. It, fun. it was not fun. <laughs> It was so much work. It's like, Chris, you answer that one. Alex, you answer that one. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure to think that someone's yeah. Thanksgiving is riding on your, your answer. answer. Yes. Oh, my yes. God. I know. They would ask very technical mm-hmm. questions that really had to do with a kind of food science. There were quite a few wine questions, I remember. Well, that, that was easy. Mark Just get Ram- one of everything. Get yeah. a couple of cases <laughs> yeah. of wine of lots of different stuff. Then we started taking happy. pictures of our tables, yeah. and that inspired yeah. people to do that on Mm -hmm. Facebook. I love that. Can I say about the show? You might not know how the show gets put together as we've done it 
especially since Robin arrived, you hear that very cool music because she Uh chooses that music, edits things down, and gets rid of our banging into the microphone. (laughs) When I can. (laughs) When she can, yeah. I'm always wearing my ID with keys on it (laughs) that that, that do this. The harp. She'll say, the harp alarm. Under your shirt. So then she, she finds music, and it always is so. Not just flavor. Food. I want some flavor in my life Your tears for my garlic Your sugar for my spice Simmer, bake, and boil it Feed me for my health Don't want a fast food cook I want a gourmet chef I'm a hungry woman Feed me like I like to be fed Oh, feed me, baby Oh, feed me, baby I'm a hungry woman Feed me like I want to be I go on recommendations from Alex many times. He has a, an archive of cool music too that he recommends, and yeah, I've always Her music tried, twins, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I've tried to find music that represents the essence of you guys. If it's not specifically food music, sometimes it's just about friendship. Yeah, that's Agreed. the show too. And we all come up with topics together. Lots of times we invent things together. I'll get online with one of these folks and say, "Let's do." our version of a pecan pie, and then everybody starts working on it. This is a wild thing that happened to me. I was sitting around thinking, you know, the pecan pie needs work. I love pecans. I love the idea of it. What could I do to make that better? So I started thinking about shortbread. I thought, oh, I love shortbread. (laughs) And then I thought, well, that could be the crust of a pecan pie. And then I thought, what could make shortbread better? Well, if it was brown butter shortbread, that would be even more buttery. And it had a good amount of sea salt in it so that it had that sweet salt pivot. So I thought, okay, that's the crust. I thought, what are we going to do about all that gloppy stuff in a pecan pie? And no offense if you like that. I just thought, it's too much. You can't even taste the pecans. It's too much. So I thought, well, what if we candied just the pecans? But what is going to be on top of the shortbread crust? And then I thought, what if we did a whipped cream and that could nestle all those candied pecans? And there you go. You know, then you put all the pecans and we come up with this idea. You had the melted chocolate, right, on the bottom? Yeah, and that was a mistake. We put a little thin layer of melted chocolate in the pecan pie, Mm. and it stole from the pecanness, and so... I remember mm -hmm. the... We uh, took it out. Veggie burgers. We each came up with a veggie burger. Yeah. That was a fun one. That was a really fun one. We had a competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won. Blind tasting. No, I don't need to be... You did want. You won with the mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, and the little chewiness. No, I made an Indian... Mm vegetarian yeah. burger. Oh, I those think, were always I think it was the too. sauce from Trader Joe's oh, that, that really, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was anything, she, she any special assist. skill of mine. <laughs> um, well, some of my favorite shows were when we took the show on the road. 
We went to a lot of places just yeah, in the past the few years.、Kitchen. We went to the Clark Kitchen showroom. We went to Whitegate Farm. We went to Newman's Own. That was fun. Yeah, those shows are also the ones that make me nervous because we're not in a studio and you can't control everything. But you guys always pulled it off and sounded like you were having a great time, and we were. And we were, weren't yeah, we? I mean, every single place. Do you remember when we went to the Pez Candy Factory, and we did a show in the candy factory of how they make Pez? That was really fun. Wow, it's like Lucille Ball. Yeah, all yeah it was a lot like that. So here's the story. This is the last fresh edition of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on this station. We wanted you to know that the archive of shows continues. And on Facebook, Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, check it out there. Talk with each other. We just wanted you to know that. And I'm off on a new adventure, and that's something I'll be talking about later. I intend to have a nice long vacation for a while. <laughs> I'm excited about that. And you can get to the Food Schmooze as always by going to ctpublic.org. Now, coming up, we have a great guest. He's been on our show before. All of us are going to be talking with Jamie Perviance. He is and has done this for twenty years. He's author of Weber's Ultimate Grilling Book, and we've tried some of the food just before the show. Robin Doyen Aiken. She bought as a gift for me a bottle of the most gorgeous. Rosé champagne. We just had that, and Chris, <laughs> celebrating. Chris celebrating. made us a steak. We're celebrating.、Grilling. Jamie Perviance coming your way. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. You can go to the archive of podcasts of this show at foodschmooze.org. Schmooze spelled S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. You know how to do it. I can do it in my sleep and backwards. And we'll be right back. If you bring the right ingredients, I'll make any sauce you choose. A hollandaise or a mayonnaise, any recipe you use. I can whip some waffle batter. I can blend some dough for buns. And if we get done blending it early, we might even get some cooking done.、Yeah. Let me be your blender, baby. I got a cookbook on my own. Is the food schmooze party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York? New York, including Westchester County, the East End of Long Island, the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken, and to hear the library of our shows, go to foodschmooze.org. 
We are all in on grilling on this edition of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. Through the years, I've had all kinds of brands of grills and types, but we hope you know that we don't care which grill you use or how expensive it is or what brand it is. The point is you get to know the one you've got, and as you get to know it, right, Chris, you get better at it. So here's what we did. We asked the man we called the Grillmeister to return to the show, Jamie Perviance. He's author of the new edition of Weber's Ultimate Grilling Book. Grilling is not burning stuff, right? (laughs) Um, Trust me, I have burned my share of stuff. And I don't mean, oh, I forgot it or anything like that. I think oh, let's get more char on those vegetables. And the next thing you know, they're kind of black vegetables. So Dehydrated, um, up so in flames. This is why we asked Jamie back to restock the grilling pantry of your mind. Welcome back to the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, Jamie. Well, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. I know. Same with us. Let's get right to what causes all of us to overcook or burn things. What is the number one mistake that pretty much all of us make, except, you know, people Me. who consider them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other grill masters. <laughs> Go ahead, Jamie. Well, you know, the simple answer is just too high of a heat for too long of a period. A lot of people approach the grill with their strategy in mind is, you know, just get the grill as hot as possible and then throw everything over that heat and hope for the best. And that is a risky (laughs) strategy, I guess you'd say, Mm. particularly if the food has some oil on it or is inherently fatty. And so it immediately starts dripping some of that stuff and that creates its own source of flames. So it's really about understanding the importance of temperature and not everything having to be done over high temperature. Sometimes it's better to be done over a moderate temperature, a low temperature, or even an indirect kind of heat where Mm. the food is not even over the flames. And it's often a combination of heat. You don't necessarily leave it all in one place the whole time. I was helping a French-American chef. We were cooking sausages together on a grill at his party. After what I considered a short while, he started taking off the sausages. I'm thinking to myself, well, where's the char? All I could think to say was, wow, they're done? (laughs) Yes, he said. I don't know your friend, but maybe on another day with another kind of sausage, he'd want a little bit more char. But in some cases, all you want to do is kind of slow roast it so that you, Mm -hmm. you don't darken the outside. And God forbid, you don't want to break the casing. Some of those sausages have very delicate casing. If you put them over really high heat, they break, which doesn't look good, but more importantly it lets a lot of the fat drip out of there, and that's some of the most delicious stuff. So there are cases, mm. no pun intended, where you want the indirect or very low heat. I love this list that I found in your book, Five Ways to Ruin a Burger. I think we've all had this experience, oh, yeah. especially if you're trying to help people attend mm-hmm. to your guests Can we go through this together? Sure. You said some people will try and cook frozen patties right out of the freezer. It's been done. I have to admit, I think I used to do that in college myself. You know, you're hungry and all you got are frozen patties. It seems like it might make sense, but it doesn't really work because the patties are so loaded up with frozen ice crystals that basically what happens is you just 
melt those crystals and end up steaming your burger. Now, does that sound good to you? A steamed <laughs> burger? Well, well some maybe. places, yeah. <laughs> the, here is the one that I used to do all the time. So if anyone does this, don't feel terrible because <laughs> you're in good company. You say pressing the burger on the cooking grate with that spatula, releasing all those precious juices and causing flare-ups. I used to do that to cause the flare-up because I wanted to get a char for a minute on the outside. So dramatic. Yeah. Nice fire going. Yes, very operatic kind of burger cooking. So, Jamie, don't do that. Don't do that. I know it is so tempting, particularly when the burger starts to puff up a little bit. You don't want to have a meatball, so you end up pressing it down, hoping to keep it in a nice shape. But it just pushes out all of the good stuff that you're trying to keep. This is Jamie Perviance. He is the author of Weber's Ultimate Grilling Book. Chris, would you walk us through what it was like to do this steak that Jamie has, his grilled steak. Go ahead. Monday night flank steak. And it's the easiest thing to put together. You just make this like spice paste with olive oil, a little paprika, salt, oregano, coriander, garlic, and black pepper. And you mix it up in a bowl. You let your meat come up to a little bit of room temperature. And then you just paint this with a brush onto the flank steaks. And how long is it supposed to sit on there? Not very long, just as you're getting the grill ready and uh, you make your little sauce, horseradish, a little mustard, Dijon, and then salt and pepper, Mm -hmm. Worcestershire sauce, and then that's the sauce for the side. Then you grill your steaks to medium rare like we did or medium, whatever you want. You let them rest for 10 minutes. Jamie, thank Mm. you. It was delicious. And thank you for letting us put this on the site, foodschmooze.org. Then we had that horseradish sauce. Yes, so good. Oh. I kept thinking, ooh, bratwurst yeah, with this spicy. sauce on it would be so amazing. Oh, that's good. So, Jamie, what do you think is the easiest way to grill a steak? You have a section on this in the book. Pretty much what you just did. There are probably dozens of other methods that you can use. The reverse sear technique, which is very popular. You can do a combination of heat, like I was saying before, where you sear it on one side very hot and then slide it over to a cooler area. But the easiest is just direct heat for whatever length of time you need. And that works really well if the steak is... I'd say an inch or under. Yeah, and that the flank steak is perfect for that, right? That it was is just about yeah. an inch thick. And, and it has such beautiful flavor, oh, yeah. flank it steak. It slices so nicely. And, and you guys bring the meat up to temperature before you grill it too, right? I always keep mine yeah, on the yeah. counter and bring it up to room temp. I've been toying with not salting it until right before it goes on the grill because I don't want it to pull all the liquid out. What do you but think, I, Jamie? I, I find that if you salt 30 to 60 minutes ahead of time, the salt has an opportunity to get into the meat a little bit deeper, and the crust in the end just has a little bit more oomph to it, a little bit more flavor that I appreciate. Yeah, I agree. Let's do chicken thighs. They have a little bit more moisture and fat in them. Here is Jamie's Tuesday night marinated chicken thighs, which we have on the website, foodschmooze.org. I like the way you name these, Jamie because it's saying to us, this is no big deal. Just go outside and grill some chicken. So Tuesday night marinated chicken thighs, you put them in a lemon herb marinade. And Mm. so parsley, olive oil, and garlic, little lemon zest, which gives it a kind of darker, interesting note, and lemon juice, some dried oregano leaves, 
kosher salt, black pepper, and here come the boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Now, you're choosing boneless here, even though we think when bones are in, they add more flavor. Chris is waving that away. He's like, no. Well, I agree with you that bones are nice. I like that. I think it makes the meat a little bit juicier in the end. But the spirit of this recipe is all about what you were just saying, which is, hey, we got to make dinner, like now. And nobody Mm -hmm. wants to go through hours of prep or or a long cooking period. So I'm trying to sort of shorten everything here. And actually, boneless has a little bit of an advantage over bone-in in that you get more surface area right down on the grate. That's what I was thinking. Uh, so you're going to get a little more of that char, which is great, particularly if you're short on time and you don't have as much time to marinate or something. You can compensate by using the grill to create a more flavorful crust. We could not resist. This is banana splits with a salted caramel sauce. It looks as gorgeous as you think it does. Jamie tells us how to make salted caramel sauce. It is so easy. It's sugar and water, basically, and cream, and maybe a little touch of bourbon. The technique here is really not just making the sauce, which is delicious, but also how to do bananas on the grill. They tend to fall apart Mm. when you put them down peeled. They're so soft, particularly if they're ripe. So the trick is to cut them in half but leave the peel on and then put the cut side down, peel still on, because the peel will hold the shape of the banana. You still get some nice caramelization on that cut side. Take them off and then gently peel off the peel, and you're left with this warm caramelized banana that still has its shape, its integrity. (laughs) And then you pile on the ice cream and the sauce and the whipped cream and all that, and everybody's happy. Crunchy. Jamie, I just want to say this about you. He's been the Weber master griller and teacher for 20 years, and I say congratulations to you, and always so generous of you to share your information with us. I'm happy to do it. I feel like I have the best job in the world. I mean, most people consider grilling what we do for fun on the weekends, right? (laughs) And I get to do it all year round, and I love, you know, sharing what I've learned with people. It's really a pleasure. Okay, take care. Happy grilling. Thank you, Faith. Um, I can't wait to get out there. Take care. (laughs) This is going right home with me, this book. (laughs) As we said earlier, this is the final fresh edition of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on this station. You can check the archive at foodschmooze.org. I want you to remember that as my lifelong friend Bruce Clements said to me about starting a new exciting chapter, he said, if we're not in the joy-producing business, we might as well quit the whole enterprise. So I intend to continue in the joy-producing business. Thank you for listening and having fun with us. After some vacation, I look forward to seeing you. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Come to my